So we look here and we see what God's agenda is for our life, that he wants to conform us to the image of Christ. That is his plan for us. That is his goal for anyone that belongs to the Lord Jesus. He is going to work in your life and he's going to grind you and he's going to allow difficult people into our lives. He's going to allow difficult situations into our life to form the character of Christ inside of us. Right, son? Amen. Okay? And, and often we don't realize this or learn this truth early on in our Christian walk. And so God turns the heat up in our life. And what do we do? We turn and we run away from it. Oh, God, get me out of this. Oh, God, uh, you know, help me. I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel good. Help me uh, out of this. Just make it stop. Make it stop. And the quicker we can learn that God is using all things, he says here, to those who love him, to those who are in Christ, to those who now love him, he is using all things in our life to conform us into the image of Christ Jesus, the perfect man, amen, the perfect God-man, the most perfect example of what we need to become. And that is God's uh, uh, will for our life. That is his agenda in our life. And so if we run out of the frying pan, he's going to put us back in again and again until we learn these lessons. Right? He wants to form Christ in us. He wants us to become godly men. He wants the women to become godly women that we can uh, glorify him in this life that people, when they look at us, they see Christ. They see the character of Christ. They see the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our life. It doesn't come right away when we surrender to Christ. There, yes, there's immediate change. We're born of God. He's, he, his Spirit enters us. He starts to change us. We start to have new desires, desires to uh, be like Him, desires to be holy, and so on. But... The sanctification process is painful and difficult. Amen. Love you. Okay? So we need to understand what God is doing because it helps us as we are going through these difficult things. This last year in my life has been the most trying year of my life. The most pressure in my life. I believe I probably have some, some, some enemies, people that dislike me this year because I'm striving to do what is right. Okay, I'm striving to, to build up the body of Christ. Uh, many, many other things, many things in Mexico, things here, uh, pressures. And my body has felt uh, that my blood pressure has gone out the roof over and over. All these crazy symptoms... And I don't have any answer for why they're happening. I don't know why they're happening. I've tried to change everything. So what do I do? What do I do? There's times I felt like I was, I was going to die. And my pressure was screaming out the roof. And I had to go preach. What do I do? What do I do? Do I not go preach? If you preach, what's going to happen? You're going to elevate your voice. Your pressure's going to go even higher. What's going to happen? I don't know. 
And I literally was weeping before the Lord, weeping in my house when no one's looking, going, God, you know, uh, and I had family visiting. I, I love them. I care for them. I want them all to hear the gospel. I prepared a message. I said, I can't just not do this. What do I do, Lord? Just put it in the Lord's hands. We have to trust him and allow him to work in our life and understand what he's doing. He's conforming us to the image of Christ. He's working out all that junk and that trash inside of us that needs to come out so we could become more like Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what the word says. <clears throat> so, he's not pursuing our comfort. That's not God's agenda. That's, that's the American dream. That is what we our flesh desires to pursue in our life, that is not the pursuit that God has for your life. He, yes, He's preparing a place for us to live with Him one day, but he, that's not His goal in this life. And if that is partially our goal, uh, and you are trying to serve the Lord, you are going to have trouble over and over and over again. Why? Because the scripture says that the flesh and the spirit wage war against each other so that you can't do the things that you want. If you are living for the spirit, you're not going to uh, fulfill the deeds of the flesh. You are going to uh, listen to God and do the things he calls you to. And that calls, causes your flesh to suffer. It causes your flesh to die. And either you're going to live for the flesh, and the scripture says in uh, Romans, I believe it's 8.13, if you live according to 8.13 and 14, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right? Whoever's led by the Spirit of God, hey John, love you man. Uh, whoever is led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. To be led by His Spirit, doing the things that please Him. Amen? So, uh, He's not pursuing your comfort. On the contrary, uh, He will forfeit your comfort to make you more like His Son, Jesus. He will allow you to lose comforts in your life to conform you to the image of Christ. <clears throat> that doesn't sound too pleasant, does it? Does it sound pleasant? No. But the truth is, when we are fully surrendered and we are living a life, denying ourselves, picking up our cross, following Him, there is joy along the way. There is joy when you are one with God. There's joy when you know that you are right with Him and the whole world can be against you, but you are right with the living God and you have peace in Him. You have joy in Him, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10, right? Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength, right, Gerald? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. The scripture says Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. It comes from being in him, knowing him. Amen. Amen? And I like to say along that, that narrow, difficult path that leads to life, there are hidden treasures. 
right, along the way. That's the path people take a look at and they say, I don't want to go down that path. It doesn't look very pleasant. It's kind of bumpy, rocky, dark, narrow, dangerous. I don't really want to uh, really go down that path. Can I just go on this other one? It's a little nicer. There's more people on it. There's a little mo- bit more light. There's a little, some green grass over there. Uh, you know, I don't really want to, you know, go on this path. Uh, on that path, you will find treasures that you will find nowhere else Treasures that only those who follow Christ are going to find. He has hidden them from the wise and he has revealed them to his children. And it pleases him to do so. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so, um, one of the things I learned early on, I, you know, hear, hear the men of God saying these things, and I agree with it, is careful what you sing, okay? How many people in America, they sing, oh, re, I mean, these are beautiful songs, okay? So I'm not saying don't sing them, maybe you sing them here, they're beautiful songs. I'm just saying, whatever you are singing and declaring to God, you better mean it. Because he's taking you serious. When you say refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, right? Yes, it it should and it needs to be. He says, be holy as I am holy. We're commanded to be holy, holy, holy. Well, he's holy, holy, holy. We are commanded to be holy like him. Amen? Amen? And so, yes, it's a command. But how many millions of people around the world sing songs like that. And then when suffering or difficulty comes, uh, we, we say, what's going on? What's going on? And it's going to happen. It says, it says that the things that we suffer, they're common with people, our brothers, our sisters, around the world. Around the world. I finally have my blood pressure under control. I finally, and uh, we, I go to go on this men's retreat, and bam, I, I, I felt weird. I went and checked, and it's in the red. It's rocketing out the roof. Like, what did I do? What did I eat? What's going on? What is happening? Lord, what do I do? Get angry at God? No, I recognize life is short. Life is a vapor. It's here one day, it's gone the next. And I want to use every moment of my life to advance his kingdom, to bring people to him, to help people walk with him, to help people grow in him. That is my life mission because that's what his life mission was. And he says, if you know him, you will walk as he walked. Isn't that what it says in 1 John? By this you know that you know him. Uh, if you keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Right? But if we keep his commandments true, the love of God is in him. By this we know that we're in him. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk just as he walked. I believe that's chapter 2, verse 3 through 6 or something like that. I'm not as savvy as Joe. A lot of my verses have gone, gone out the other ear <laughs> through trials and different things. So I use uh, Nathan Jones in Mexico. He, uh, he's just so sharp, and he just has uh, these scriptures memorized. So when I'm preaching, sometimes I'll go, hey, where was that? And he's just like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, he's a, 
Beautiful brother. <clears throat> okay. Careful what we're singing, right? Sometimes you might just want to say, Okay. Because what do we do when it, when it gets difficult? We want to run. That's normal. Don't run. God, God's... His agenda is to continue to sanctify his people, sanctify us, right? So that we are clothed in white robes, so that when we get to that feast, he's not going to say, why are you here with filthy rags and cast you out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? We thought we were okay, but we were uh, living a lifestyle that's unpleasing to him. <clears throat> How many millions? How many millions? It's, it's not my opinion. Uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, uh, you know, says many, many will say to me what? Lord, 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 Lord. Didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? What am I going to say? Didn't I go to Mexico? Didn't I build a house? What is that going to do? Okay. I need to, to live for him and have genuine faith and serve him with the rest of my life. Amen? Because I know him and love him. That, that needs to be, we need to have genuine faith. Genuine faith like Timothy. Genuine faith like his mother and his grandmother. Right? Eunice, I believe it was. Right? That passed on that genuine faith. To Timothy, you mothers have a great job to do, okay? Teaching your children. Mothers, teach your children, amen? Influence your children. Show them real Christianity so that they will grow up and have the same genuine faith. Paul told Timothy at one point, he said, I have no one else like you that has genuine concern for the churches. Very few, huh? Genuine concern for the churches. That's what he told Timothy. We want that kind of faith, all of us. We need that. Genuine faith. That we seek him and we serve him when no one is looking. That we take the things of God serious. That we fear him. In Romania, when communism uh, overtook Romania after the World War II was over, Russia came in and said, you're going to be communist. And Romania said, okay, the government. Uh, when, when this happened, they, had, they gathered all the pastors together. I tell this story a lot, so if you've heard it, just give me grace, okay? Um, but it's, it's history. They gathered all, the communists gathered all of the Christian pastors together. And uh, they were in a big auditorium or a big kind of theater with the high seats up top and, and down below. And they had a radio at that time. And they uh, broadcasting in Romania, they were having pastors get up there and say, communism and Christianity go hand in hand. What a compromise. What a compromise. These are pastors. These are pastors. Their whole life is supposed to be dedicated to serving the church, to helping people cultivate their lives in Christ, bringing people to him, shepherding them, defending them from wickedness and so on. And immediately, 
they get up and they give in to pressure before even they were in prison or anything. One after another, after another, after another, they gave in. And they said what they were told to say by communists. Satanists, you can say, right? Told what to say, and they just said it because they were afraid of man instead of God. We need to fear God. You need to fear God in your life. Fear God. Jesus says that, doesn't he? Don't fear the one who could kill your body. That's what Jesus says. It's easy to fear someone that can kill your body if they're crazy, if they're wild. Down in Mexico, they've been acting up quite a bit. Uh, you know, and they're quite willing to do lots of things, um, you know, uh, when they're desperate for drugs or whatever. And that's why we're always uh, being watchful and, you know, guarding and keeping lights and cameras and so on uh, so that we can stay there and serve them, right? Trying to be ahead of them. Um, but if you have a gun to your face, if you have a knife, yes, you're going to feel afraid. How much more should we fear God? We're going to all stand before him very soon. Our lives are running out. And we're going to stand before Almighty God. And that, that cartel member, that gang member, uh, you know, whatever it might be that we're afraid of, that's going to be nothing. We're not even going to consider those people in that moment. It says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A fearful thing. To fall into his hands. Amen? So we need our lives uh, to, yes, we need the fear of God to influence our lives. Right? What does the scripture say about Noah? It says, Noah was moved with godly fear. And he built the ark. He looked like a fool. I'm sure people laughed at him. What are you doing? We've never seen rain. It said that it didn't rain in those days. Mist came up from the ground and watered the earth. Oh, the God's going to flood the earth, and I'm building a ginormous boat. He kind of looks like one of those Christians on the corner with a big sign that looks like a maniac, right, in, this, in, the, in the movies. I probably look like that sometimes, <laughs> preaching, but I'm preaching the truth. But anyway, you have to sometimes look like a maniac. There are some maniacs out there that... Uh, give street preachers a bad name, unfortunately. But we, we have to preach the gospel. Amen? People have been born again through preaching the gospel. There's fruit through preaching the gospel. An entire family has come to Christ and they are changing and transforming because we decided to look like fools and do Bible studies with a speaker on a hill. And we felt, I felt stupid. I don't know about the people there. They probably felt the same about me. But, you know, sitting there, I'm just, this, you know, just a, a, some guy teaching with a speaker. And it, it looks kind of silly. And I felt kind of silly. But somebody heard that message. And they were drawn to the truth. And they were saved and transformed. And now her husband, and now her, her son and his wife, and, and now we're working on the other son, and her daughter have all been born again. And there's evidence of their salvation, fruit in their lives. They are, they are involved in everything we do. They are one of the most committed families. 
humble. They just work and their entire life is whatever they're doing for Christ. That's it. That's it. Such a beautiful thing. Okay, I need to stay on track here because you guys only give me an hour. I'm used to preaching for hours down there. And, but I have a translator, so it's like I'm preaching two sermons. So you've got to give me a break. Okay. Well, they have to give me a break down there because it's extra long. Okay, so let me hurry up here, okay? Um, he, he's going to sanctify us, and we know that hurts, okay? What does it say in Colossians uh, 3, 1 through 3? It tells us, if you've died with Christ, set your mind on things above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, Okay? Where he is, where is Christ right now? He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Interceding for us. He doesn't just leave us to suffer. He came and he suffered more than most of us ever could imagine. And he did it willfully because of his love for us. So he is a wonderful God. And the only one that's died for me. The wretch that I've been. Okay? Uh, Luke 9.23, anyone who desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. Starting at verse 23 and continue, right? If you want to save your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. I encourage you, lose your life for his sake. Lose your life for his sake. I'm not telling you you have to go to Africa and live in a mud hut. But you need to be willing to if God says go, right? I think believe Joe asked uh, his wife when you got married, right? Are you willing to live where? In a trailer or something? Or, huh? Yeah? In a tent, okay? And you obviously said yes because uh, here you are married, right? <laughs> and you've gone all over the world and still serving the Lord. Amen. Great examples for us. Glean from Pastor Joe and his wife. Glean from them and pray for their lives to be long. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I'm just going to read them for the sake of time, if that's okay. Sorry. Um, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, what do we see? We see the God of peace himself. He is sanctifying us entirely, not just our spirit, not just our soul, but even our body, preserving them until the day of Jesus Christ. And we need to consider that in this life. Yes, this flesh is passing away, and sometimes we think we just do whatever with it. That's not the case. God wants your body to be a vessel of righteousness, tools of righteousness. We used to use them for wickedness. I did. I don't know what you use them for, but we, we're all sinners, right? So we all use them for wickedness and, and ran amok long enough in whatever it is that we were doing. And now we are commanded and we are called to use our bodies as well. 
for the kingdom of God. Use them. Use our hands to serve people. Use our feet to serve people. Use our mouth to bring people to Christ, to build people up. And at times, yes, correct people with great fear of God, right? What was Jeremiah commanded? If you look in chapter 1, God says, I've called you as a prophet uh, to the nations before you were born. That's amazing. And God's, God's sovereign and he knows all things. And he says, I've called you to pluck up, uproot, destroy. That's what he says first. And then rebuild. Okay? Plant, rebuild. So yes, uh, we use it for God's glory. So that uh, if there is a false view or understanding of God, yes, we tear that down. We teach correctly. That's what's so beautiful about this fellowship is they bring light to so many people's eyes. We don't realize what a treasure we have. Yes, there are, there are Christians around the world. It doesn't have to be a blessed hope. And no, we're not all about uh, just the name blessed hope. But you know what? We, it's what, what Blessed Hope Chapel represents. Yes, I'm all about that. And yes, uh, when I came here and I met some real, genuine Christians that, that love one another and they love Christ and they talk for forever. I mean, when you have to lock the church and kick everyone out and, and you're like, I'm sorry, I got to work at five in the morning and it's like you know, 10, 30 at night. And can you just take the conversation outside? But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't know how many churches you've been to, but you don't find that hardly anywhere. And if you do, it's maybe this one guy here and maybe that guy here. And, and, and you know, if you find a good spot, maybe this church here. Okay? But we want to reproduce biblical churches of people that love God and love truth and walk in grace. And stand up for what's right. So many people's eyes have been enlightened in the truth through the ministries here. And that is a beautiful thing. Pray for the fellowships. Pray for these churches to stand, to have solid foundations, solid pastors. Pray for these churches. This is a raging war. It's a war. We are in a war. I went to a, a men's, um, whatever, I was invited to a men's breakfast from a different church down in Mexico. It was all old, you know, white men, mostly, that, that moved down there. So it was all English. I was surprised, you know, down in Mexico, which is fine. They need uh, fellowship too, amen? Um, but I forgot what I was going to say, so I won't tell you. <laughs> Sorry, I slept three hours last night. Look, I'm not perfect. See? Wonderful. Okay. God wants to sanctify you entirely. And he says it in the order of importance. Your spirit. We do it backwards, don't we? Body, soul, spirit. No, no, no. Spirit. That's important. Okay? You're born of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. If you're not born of the spirit, you are, you're not going to enter the kingdom. There's no other possible way. Spirit, soul, and body be sanctified and preserved for the, Lord, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Consider those things. What does sanctify mean? I have the Greek here, but I'm not, I don't know how, uh, you know, 
my brother Steve and Joe and them, they, they memorized the, you guys do a great job on that. But I'll just try it. Hagiazo. Okay, there you go. I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? I do study uh, Hebrew, Greek, but... Uh, but this is what sanctify means, to make holy, to set apart unto God, to dedicate, to separate, to purify. God, that's what he is doing in our lives. And these last, uh, these last four years going to Mexico, man, uh, God has grinded me. God has crushed me. He's allowed me to go through things, challenged me, taken things out of my life. And I'm glad. I thank him for it. It hurts like crazy. It hurts like crazy. But I don't ask him to take it away. I just say, as soon as it's done, please, uh, you know, <laughs> just be gracious as you're working in me. Amen? Amen. Why? Because I know he's good. And I know that his purposes are perfect and good, and he wants to conform us to the image of Christ. And so when you find whatever it is that your hand finds to do for the Lord, the scripture says, do it with all your might, right? Whatever you find, though, in your life, whatever, whatever part of the body you are, whether it's the hand, the foot, the mouth, the eye, whatever part you are, Fulfill that role and allow God to, to, to work in you. It's going to cause you to grow. It's going to cause you to have to give up things at times. Even things that you have liberty as a Christian to do. Okay? We have many great liberties in Christ. But as we grow and we mature in Him, He requires more and more from us. Doesn't the Scripture say that? To whom much is given, much is required. And we don't want to stay children for the rest of our lives. We want to mature, which means there's responsibility that comes with that. Which means that we can't always do the things that we want to do. We can't always just go with everybody to the places that we used to go to. We can't uh, continue to do certain things. Why? In Galatians, right? Laying aside the weights and the sin that so easily ensnares us. A runner, he's not just, well, you know, in this sense, right? It's, it's a runner. Anything that weighs that person down... Even their hair, don't they shave their arms and stuff? Their legs? They wear super tight clothes, right? Why? Well, that's dedication. Okay? You're not going to get me in a pair of those shorts. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you pictured me in those right now. Stop it. Okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Love you, man. We're allowed to laugh in the Lord. Amen? No, you must never laugh as a Christian. You can't have fun ever. Okay, that's legalism, right? So laying aside even things you are at liberty to have as a Christian. Why? Because what's the mindset here in the, in the States? A lot. I can say it because this is where I'm from. Okay, what's the mindset? Well, I'm free to do this. I'm free to do that. I'm free. I, want, I can go to yoga if I want. I'll just chant to Jesus. Okay, okay. Well, let's see what happens, you know. Might come out of there twisting like a snake, okay. 
Uh, sure, you, why don't you just stretch some, somewhere else? Why don't you go to the gym? Why don't you stretch at home? You don't need to pose in the positions that were designed to worship demons, right? You know, that's just crazy. So, yeah, sure, I could walk in a yoga place and, and I'd be fine if I had to go work there, if I had to do something. Sure, yes, you're free as a Christian to walk in there if you need to for some reason. But... We don't live just to defend our rights and our freedoms as a Christian. Paul says, you know, Christ died for this brother. And if your freedom causes him to sin, causes him to stumble, causes him to fall, then you give that up and you never do it again. Right? Uh, Ray Comfort, he says, if you're in front of a Jew, you put your ham sandwich behind your back. Right? Just a quick example there, right? Right? Amen. If God wants you to change something, and no, we're not all about, you know, uh, a dress code here. No. The scripture does say that to be modest in, in, uh, for the women, modest in the way they dress. Obviously, men also, right? Uh, but whatever it is that God calls us to give up, if we see that it will help us advance the kingdom, if it will help people see Christ in us instead of seeing us. I don't want them to see me in my flesh, in my carnality, because I'm disgusted by those things, and I want them out of my life more and more. Every time I, I look and I examine myself daily, Oh, God, please remove this. Remove this characteristic. Remove these flaws. Remove the, the way I do this. Remove the way I think here. Help me, Lord, to be more like you. That should be the desire of the Christian's heart. Amen. Amen. Okay. So he wants to set apart your body. He wants to set apart your soul, set apart your spirit, your entire being. Set apart as holy unto God. That doesn't mean uh, that we just float on a cloud somewhere. It doesn't mean that you can't go bowling. It doesn't mean those things. That, that's what religions try to do, is enforce these, uh, these traditions and these kind of extra biblical things upon us so that we... Uh, can't even enjoy the very things that God has given us to enjoy. No, that's not being holy just because you don't eat for a week. That doesn't make anyone holy. A Satanist, Satanists fast. Did you know that? When Harry Potter came out, they fasted. Witches fasted. And they called Christians stupid for letting their children uh, read and watch these things because they know that they uh, have witchcraft in them. And it's not a game. It's not a joke. They fast. That doesn't make them holy, does it? No, but should we fast? Sure, of course. Do it for the right motive, to be close to God. Okay. Jesus said, uh, John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God wants to sanctify us. Sanctify us in the truth. And what is the truth? His word is truth. And how many ministries today, how many teachings today, and so on, do we see? And they, they minimize the scriptures. That should be a huge Warning, 
sign, a red flag that goes up. Wait a second, why is it that they're saying, oh, you're those doctrine guys? Yeah, we're those doctrine guys. He says, watch your doctrine closely. Yeah, we're one of those guys that reads the Bible. Yeah, it's called a Christian. That Christians read their Bibles. It's God's word. Amen, son? <laughs> He's my number one fan. Encourage me. Love you. Okay? <clears throat> Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And that's why my goal tonight is to speak the word to you. Not my opinion. Not our uh, theology of Blessed Hope Chapel. But our theology is the scriptures. Amen? We are biblicists. If we're anything at all, we are biblicists. Right? We're not going to name ourselves after Calvin. We're not going to name ourselves after men. Uh, but we love his word. No, we don't idolize his word. No, we don't worship this piece of paper and, and leather like some people try to claim as well. But no, we love his word. He holds everything together by the power of his word. He created everything through his word. Universe. What does that mean? One verse. And it was created. By His Word. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Hallelujah. Amen? So yeah, we love His Word. We want to be sanctified through His Word. Edified by His Word. Changed. Challenged by His Word. So with a little short time uh, I have left. I was threatened by Tony that I couldn't go over at all, so uh, he's going to get a, one of those canes with a hook on the end. He's going to put it around my neck and yank me off the stage. Because so. <laughs> he said, we all have to go to sleep tonight. All right. Love you guys so much. That's the truth. Okay, I'm going to try quickly. Uh, we're going to look at the biblical roles of men and women, okay, in a very short time. Uh, so if you're taking notes or whatever, you can just write the passages down, but I'm just going to say them. You probably don't have time to turn there. Um, but we're going to look at biblical roles, men and women. What is a godly man? What is a godly woman? We've got to start back in the beginning. We've got to see uh, what God intended for a man, what God intended for a woman. Huh? 20? Okay. Did he say two hours? I think it was. <laughs> okay. Lost my hearing. I think he said two hours, right? He said two. He said something too. I'm just teasing. All right. Okay. Genesis 1 26, 27. Now listen, we're just reading the word. And we need to examine what it says and we need to line our lives up with the word of God. And if our lives are different, we don't change the word to line up with what we think. We change our theology, our belief about God, to line up with what God says. We change our life. Even if we're in America, even if we're in another country, even if we grew up in a certain doctrine, we change to line up, to be sanctified, to walk in truth. There's only unity found in the truth. 
If we read 1 John, right? It says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Then you'll have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' his Son will cleanse us from all sin. Amen? Then. So yes, some people, you know, they have a good idea. They want to gather just all the denominations and Catholic and all these other churches and different cults and stuff to say, let's just be one big happy family. Sorry, we can't do that. We love them. That's why we have to stand in the truth. There's only unity found in the light and in the truth of Christ. Only in Him. Let's all gather in the light of Christ and, and we will come pretty close together. That's what even Spurgeon said. All right? <clears throat> okay. So, Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So I want to start by saying the man and the woman, yes, we have this crazy stuff going on in America. Crazy, 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 psychotic stuff. Okay? You guys agree? Yeah. I hope so. I hope you agree. It's just psychotic. All right? They can't figure out what other gender to put on the bathroom, so they put a guy in a wheelchair. That's not a gender. That's a man in a wheelchair. Right? I took a picture once. I drew an alien in there to help him out. You got man, woman, alien, man in a wheelchair. And a guy, I put a guy on a bike, too. I did it on my phone. I didn't tag on there. Okay. I felt like it. That's how crazy it is, right? Okay. Let me get back on track. So God made male and female in his image. It's important. Yes, man and woman, our value to God is equal. We are made different than the animals. We are made different than the monkeys and all the, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air. We are made different in the image of God. Equal in value, a woman and a man. Okay? This is what Christians teach and believe. Okay, God created man and woman equal, both made in the image of God. Did I tell you before, I think, I think Joe just memorizes his, his notes. I told you that, huh? Do you ever see Joe look at his notes? He has like this many, he never, ever looks. Okay, he just memorizes it, and then he's humble. He pretends. He's like, he's like yeah. <laughs> you look, it's, there's nothing. It's true, it's true. Watch him next time. Yeah. See if he ever looks down. Galatians 3, 27, 28. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in the beginning, we see that man and woman were made equally in the image of God. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, here we see in Christ, anyone in Christ, they are equal. The playing fields have been uh, equal, uh, however you say it. Uh, we, we are equal. Slave, if you're, you, you're a slave, you're down here. If you're a free man, you're up here. Not in Christ. 
You both come to Christ, you are equal in Christ. There's neither female, male. We are one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Co-heirs. Co-heirs with Christ of all that he has. That's just amazing, huh? Can't wait. Can't wait. I mean, we have a lot of work to do, but I can't wait to see him one day. Okay. So, we are equal in our value, but we are not equal in our abilities. Did I dare say that on camera? Yes. We're, we are not equal in our abilities. They got all the woke people. They're going to send me murder mail after this, right? They don't have my email address, so I'm fine. But, but, we are, we, how, how is this possible, Jonathan? Well, I, I can never, ever have a baby, okay? A woman is, is uh, far superior than me in giving birth, in feeding the child, in nurturing the child in a way she was designed by God. I could never be a woman. And you see, we need to pray for people. Amen. They're confused. They grow up in this crazy world. No wonder they grow up all messed up. They grow up sexually abused. All sorts of things. And yes, a lot of that is a factor in why they put on a dress, why they're confused, because it's being pumped into their mind, and maybe they have no father to teach them the truth. But regardless of the facts, a man in a dress looks pretty terrible, don't you think? Right? And, and girls that try to be men and they get the butch haircut and so on. You know, I, I love them. Look, I, we've won um, people to Christ in Hollywood that were homosexual. They're no longer homosexual. They have abandoned that lifestyle and they're walking in truth. They're walking in grace. And we loved them graciously. We told them the truth and we told them in, in love. And they repented. So... We love all people, amen, because Christ did, how dare we, we not. But, but absolutely, you just, you know, you, you see a man in a dress, he's got an Adam's apple, and he's got scruff on his face, I mean, it's just, come on, it's just, a man will never be able to fulfill a woman's role, and a woman will never be able to fulfill a man's role. Right? Here's an example. We, don't you guys see these men uh, that say they're women and they get to play women's rugby? And it's this ginormous beefcake. Okay. Right? And he's just a huge man, but he's got a blonde ponytail. And, and, and he's just smashing these women. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm a brave woman and, I, and I've conquered, you know, women's sports. Oh, in the world says you're such a brave woman. It lost its mind. Our nation has lost its mind. It's been given over to a debased mind to do things that are not fitting. Romans 1, right? Insanity. Our nation's been given over to insanity. And we need to grow in the truth and, and we need to labor for Christ wherever you are, at work, at home, in the streets, wherever God places you. And set your mind on the kingdom and on the things he sets before you. Okay? Because his life is passing you by. You won't regret it in heaven. Okay? 
<clears throat> but uh, you, you see these boxers and they just smash these girls to pieces and they're winning everything, right? Why? Because a man's body, naturally, the testosterone, the chemicals in there uh, to, to make you stronger. I mean, look at Chad, that guy, every time I see him, he's just bigger and bigger. Beefcake, man, I wouldn't want to mess with him, right? Uh, but a woman is not designed to do the same thing as a man. You can see... You can see that men, their bodies and so on, designed to work, to labor, to provide, to protect. Correct? Just the, the chemicals inside our body alone are there f- to help us do the things that God has called us to do. The way we think is different than a woman. Right? They say women are spaghetti. All, everything's all mixed together, the emotions and stuff, right? <laughs> you women are like, shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I have a. I have one. I have a wife. All right. <laughs> Love you, honey. If you're watching, um, everything's the, everything's tied together emotionally and so on. Right. And and it's easy for a woman, especially, to be emotionally guided and driven. Right. A man. The way a man is designed more com- compartmental. Okay. I got to do this. I got to do this. Now I got to do this. And we're focused on this. And that is why God has designed a man to lead the home. Doesn't make him this uh, chauvinist pig. No. We we're not commanded to do that. We're commanded to love our wives and to to treat her as Christ treats the church. He laid his life down for the church. He washes her in the water of the word. He sanctifies her. He says, husbands, love your wives, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That is how we're to be. We're to put off those old ways of being a chauvinist, of being a, uh, what do you call it, a machismo, huh? Machista. Oh, dale. Esposa. <laughs> Put your neck under my foot. No, there's a lot of that down in Mexico. The indigenous, man, they just rule those, those women. It's so sad. So sad. They, 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 they don't marry them. They just they do all their laundry. They can't do anything. The men go do what they want. Okay, it's part of the curse. That's not how we are to lead, but we are commanded to lead our homes in righteousness. And why do we not? Because we're lazy. Why do we not? A lot of the time it's laziness, right? It's so true. We know it. It's true. We get lazy. We don't want to do this. And we let the wife do it. And that's why there's so many women pastors today. They rise up and say, well, my husband's not going to do it. I guess I'll be the spiritual leader of the home. That's not the way it was intended. That's why we fell into sin. Because man did not do his job in the garden. And woman stepped out of of her position of being behind the man, helping the man. and, And submitting under the man and the man covering her. And she stepped out from that and she made her own decisions. And he stood there and he let her. So the next time you're suffering because of the curse... Remember, it's because they, man and woman both stepped out of the roles that they have. A man, when he sees, okay, I need to do this. God has commanded me to do this. And I know it's difficult. And if I do it, that person's going to be upset. That person's not going to like me. That person, uh, it's going to make them feel bad. And what does a woman sometimes say? Uh, you know, not always, but I'm just saying in general. Uh, she might say, hey, honey, 
oh, are you sure you want to do that? Because, you know, it's going to make hurt that person's feelings. And the, that's why the man needs to say, no, honey, we have to do this. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what's right. And he has to lead in righteousness. How long do I have? Okay, thank you. <laughs> See how far we get. All right. Okay, here's some questions, okay? Who did God make first? Genesis 1-7. Then the Lord uh, for God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Okay? Genesis 1-18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Amen. All the men said, Amen. <laughs> I will make him a helper suitable for him. Praise the Lord for that. We need help. Okay, we forget where we put everything, right? Uh, can't keep organized. <laughs> okay, 1 Timothy uh, 2, 13. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. Okay, so what's the answer? Who did God make first? God made man first, okay? <clears throat> I'm not exalting men, okay, women? I'm just going through the scriptures. We, it is important, biblically, that we take our roles. This is why the churches are so a mess, because they're backwards. Men are not doing what they're supposed to. Women are strong-willed, and they are doing things that they should not. That's what's happening all over the place. And it's causing trouble. Why? That's the downfall in the Garden of Eden. Okay? <clears throat> okay. Then God made woman for the man. I know it doesn't sound appealing to a woman, right? This is what the scripture says. Genesis 1.18, I will make him a helper. Uh, a woman is the man's helpmate. Helpmate. The man needs help from his wife to encourage him, to pray for him, to support him, to get behind him. Say, yes, honey, I'm behind you. I'm praying for you. My wife told me I'm praying for you tonight. That makes the whole world to me, that my wife is praying for me. Amen? Amen. Love you, honey. Okay. <laughs> if she's not busy taking care of my screaming two-year-old, <laughs> distracted, okay? 1 Corinthians 11, 7 through 9. For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. Now, it doesn't say she's the image of man. Because male and female, he made them in the image of God. But she, it says, is the glory of man. Why? She's the only creature that came out of man, which is deep significance, right? He, did, he made everything else from the dust of the earth, but he made a woman out of the flesh and bone of a man to be his helpmate, to be one flesh with him, to labor with him, in her role and him in his role uh, to please the Lord and live a life for him. Okay? Uh, for man does not originate from woman, but woman, uh, man does not originate from women, but a woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Sorry, that's what it says. Okay? Um, a woman originated from. Man's flesh and bone. Okay? 
and created for the man to help him as he serves the Lord. Uh, woman, okay, let's see here. Let me change my page. Okay, so verse, if you looked through verse 11 and 12 there, it shows that we still need, we, we need women. It says, uh, Paul goes on to say, again, look, women and men, they are equal in value in a sense. He says, but you know what? Even though women came, originated from man, man needs woman to be born into the world. And all things ultimately originate from God. So what is he doing? He's saying men and women, they're equal. Yes, the roles are different. Yes, the, the facts are man was created by God. And we'll get into quickly, uh, you know, some of these other details. But, uh, but they are equal in value before God, but with different roles. Okay. <clears throat> okay, question. Who did God command about the tree? Genesis 2, 16, 17. The Lord commanded the man, saying, there's our answer, right? Five minutes. Oh. Okay. The Lord commanded the man. Okay. Any tree you may eat from freely, uh, but of the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, and that day you eat from it, you will surely die. Where was the woman when, when God commanded Adam this? She wasn't created yet. Okay. God, do you see this? This is important. God gave the command to man. See, people say, oh, I want to be the lead. Why is, it, why is it fair that the man is the head? Why is the man got to be the head? We all have to submit. Christ is the head of man. God, the Father, is the head of Christ. That's what the scripture says. And the woman, uh, the man is the head of the woman. There's an order that God has placed. It doesn't make anyone better than another, but we need to follow that order, do things in God's, God's order. That is the right order. When I came to Christ for six years, I was with a man that was extremely, uh, a very strong man. And he told, me every, he told me everything that I did that I shouldn't do and all these different things. And I just took it. And I took it and I submitted. If he told me, have one scoop of coffee, I have one scoop of coffee. If he told me, go wake up at 5.30 in the morning, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning. I submitted. If you go to work, you submit to your boss or you should or you get fired, right? These are things all of us do. Jesus, being equal with the Father, willfully submitted to the Father, even to the point of death on a cross. If he does it, can we... Can we not also do it? Okay, there's great responsibility on the man. Great responsibility. He doesn't just get to be in charge and be the boss. Okay, God gave him a command before the woman was created. What does that tell you? He expects the, the man to, to instruct the woman what God has commanded. Honey, uh, he just made you. Uh, this is what he told me. Don't touch this tree. That's what would have had to have happened. Okay? Do you agree? <laughs> okay. God, uh, Genesis 2.15, God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. Where was the woman at this time? She wasn't created yet. God created man, gave him commands, and gave him a job. Cultivate my garden and keep it. Before the woman was even created. 
And then he created the woman and said, help him. Help him. He needs you. He can't find his keys. Okay. <laughs> He's been eating mangoes for two days. Right. Help him. <laughs> True story. My wife said, have you eaten anything? I sent her a picture of a bag of mangoes. She said, oh, my poor husband. All he's eating is mangoes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a man. I just eat whatever. All right. I have to hurry for the sake of time, okay? But look, do you understand what, what's being said here? Now, this is important. First um, Corinthians 11.3, that's where you find... Uh, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and God is the head of Christ, okay? So we all have uh, a place that we should submit to. If we don't, we're going to be accountable before God, okay? It's not between you and your husband. You're not going to say, well, he was a jerk. Well, even if he's a jerk, you need to obey Christ. What does that have to do with you and Christ? You, have, you need to obey the Lord, that's what it says in, in uh, what is it, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, a, a woman, a wife that, even if her husband is a non-believer, through her chaste behavior, okay, not gossiping, not going on, on internet day after night day, being a busybody, going from house to house or phone to phone, right, or uh, Instagram to Instagram, uh, you know, today it's so easy to go house to house. Not doing all the busying herself with all of these things, which actually leads women to follow Satan. That's what the scripture says. Being a busybody. I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 5. But being busy about keeping the home or caring for the children or doing whatever it is that God has placed in her life. Being a godly Woman, helping her husband, praying and supporting her husband and praying for him, okay? And encouraging him to do what is right, <clears throat> okay? And what did, what did God say? I'm just going to have to tell you what did God say when, uh, when they fell into sin now the scripture says that the woman was deceived. It wasn't the man. What was the man doing? He was not doing his job. He was not stopping. He was not being responsible. He was not guarding his wife. He was not in front of her guarding her. He was being lazy on the side while she's talking to a snake. Right? And she felt she was deceived. It says... The scripture says the man was not deceived, it was the woman. The man was in sin, yes, but the, the woman was more easily deceived, which is why women should not be pastors. They're, they're called to follow their husbands, okay? Because we're designed for different things. This is what the scripture says. Let it sanctify your lives. <clears throat> Sanctifying mine too, okay? <clears throat> so what happened? Who did God go to when they fell? He went to the man. Why? Because he is in charge. If you're, if you're a boss or I used to be over people in that ministry, if the people under me messed up, who gets in trouble? Me. I get yelled at. I get scolded. I get told off. Why? Because it's my responsibility to oversee the people under me, make sure they are doing their job. Right, John? Right? Business. You're a businessman. I'm sure you, you, you know, hey, I had you over these two men. You're you picking your nose while they were over here, uh, you know, stealing my things. What? what I, I put you in charge. 
That's what God did to Adam. He went to the man. He said, man, where are you? You see the responsibility to whom much is given, much is required from men. If we don't do our job, if we do not lead our homes in righteousness, God will hold us accountable. If we allow or just our children, and yes, they have their free will. They, they might grow up in sin. But if we are lazy and we are not teaching them the word, if we're not praying with them, if we're not being a godly example in our home, because it's easier to watch five hours of television than it is to pray and read and be devoted to the Lord. We will be held accountable. God will go to us first and say, what did you do with your wife? What did you do with your children? Lord, help us. Amen. It's one of the most sanctifying things is to be a father and to be a husband, at least for me. Okay. So I'm I'm sure I'm probably out of time, but um, God rebuked. This uh, Adam, and he said, you listen to the voice of your wife. What should he have done? Yes, consider your wife. Yes, and especially in Proverbs, it says about the godly woman, the, the heart of the husband safely trusts her. Yes, listen to her concerns. Yes, consider uh, what she's saying because there's great wisdom. She crowns your head with wisdom. The godly woman, yes. But we are to uphold the commands of God. We are to follow the word and obey the word over listening to the voice of your wife or anybody else that influences you in your life. Amen? I'm sure I'm out of time, right? So... The curse absolutely ruined everything. It dis- and what, is the cur- what did the curse say? It said that the, the man's desire would be to, or the man would rule over the woman. That harsh ruling over the woman, that's not godly either. That's part of the curse. We can thank, that these, two, thank these two for getting out of the order that God instituted. Okay? It's that, that's the reason. Because we weren't walking in our roles. That's why it's so important, especially in the church, especially as Christians walk in that role. The woman's desire would be for the man. That's understood that she wants to be in the man's role. That's the natural desire. And don't we see that in America? Look at the hairy... and uh, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Anyway, you know, it's more and more all kinds of stuff like this. Right? Uh, you know, burn the bra. It's coming back, I think, right? I heard... Right? No, no. We, we need to do what God has said. Scripture says, and I have to close with this, uh, that the woman, the wife, is to respect her husband. See that she respects her husband. The husband is to love his wife, lay his life down for her. Amen? So very important, and I'm so out of time. But if we allow God to work in us and grow in these, in these areas, we will be beautiful examples to this world of what a godly marriage looks like. And even if you're not married, to walk in these characteristics. That's what God desires from us so that people see him in us and are impacted by, by that. Remember, the wife can win her husband without saying a word. That's what it says. Amen? All right. I'm done. I broke the rules. 
Love you guys. God bless you.